0: even though it may take 30 seconds, a minute longer than it might otherwise, it will save you time in the long run.
1: Hello and welcome. This is the Medical Protection Podcast, and for this Case Files episode, I'm your host, Dr John Marwick. Today we'll be using an actual case to talk about what's a good and safe medical record both from the point of view of the patient, but also particularly from a medico-legal point of view, and also what may happen if you're ever required to have your records audited. We'll hear about an English GP who got a complaint that led to the rather intimidating prospect of her records being audited by a performance advisory group in the NHS. Similar audits can sometimes be required in other countries, And as we'll hear, good medical records are very important whenever there's a complaint to consider. I'll be discussing this case, and particularly questions around medical records, with Dr Heidi Mouncy, who's a medical legal consultant for medical protection based in Leeds. As always, these cases are real, however, details have been changed to protect the identity of those involved. Let's start by hearing about this GP's experience.
2: I remember it was a busy day, right in the middle of flu season. A patient came to see me with what he thought was a chest infection. I carried out the usual tests. I concluded that the patient was suffering from a virus. I felt confident with my diagnosis, but I could see he was unhappy not to get any antibiotics. A few days later, um, the patient did come back into the surgery. I was quite booked up so he saw my colleague and he was re-examined and this time diagnosed a bacterial chest infection. A few weeks later I received a letter from NHS England explaining that a complaint had been made against me by the patient. My heart sank, my stomach sank, it was that instant feeling of you know shock. I really didn't know how to, to deal with it. The letter asked for a comprehensive report explaining what I'd done and how I'd reached my diagnosis. I drafted my response and sent it back to NHS England along with copies of the patient notes. After a couple of weeks or so, I did receive a response. They said that I hadn't included sufficient information in my patient's notes about some of my examination findings. The complaint was referred to the performance advisory group They wanted to come to my surgery to conduct a notes audit. They said this should clear up whether the matter was an isolated incident. On the day of the audit, a representative from the performance advisory group reviewed 20 sets of my notes. They basically looked at the overall standard of note keeping, advice I gave in each case, and the safety netting measures I put into place. When a follow-up audit happened three months later, they recognize that I'd made improvements. Something like this can really shake your confidence. It can make you question your ability as a doctor. Patients have the right to complain, of course, but when it happens to you, it it can really make you feel quite deflated.
1: Heidi, nice of you to join us for this uh, talk. Um, you're based I believe in the NHS and deal with complaints from our members in the NHS is that right?
0: That's right I do deal with quite a lot of complaints coming from NHS England and a number of my members that I've assisted have had records audits undertaken by NHS England on the recommendation
1: of the performance advisory group. Yeah Um, as a GP myself I can sort of understand the the uh, situation that this doctor found herself in with the case but uh, Today, I, I don't really want to focus on the issue of whether or not um, the virus or the antibiotics should have been prescribed. I don't think that's the key learning from this, this case. It's more this whole issue about records and uh, and what this audit might include. Um, when you're dealing with with our members, Heidi, how often are, are records an issue?
0: I would say it's very commonly an issue. It's often a source of dispute as to to what was said in the consultation. The patient may have one version. The doctor may have another version. And if the record is not clear or is very limited in detail, it is very hard for our doctors to demonstrate that the conversation was as they are reporting rather than what the patient is reporting.
1: Right. So it's it's the only sort of... um evidence that's available to say which side is is uh, is correct is that that sort of what what you're meaning?
0: Certainly from a medico-legal point of view yes I mean obviously good records have other purposes as well they allow another doctor to take over the care of that patient it means that patient's journey through their illness or through the NHS is clearly documented and it also allows a clinician to record their decision-making rationale really for the diagnosis that they've reached, the investigations that they've suggested, and then the the following management plan and any follow-up or safety netting that that then needs to, to arise from that. So there's many, many purposes for good record keeping, but I would say once a complaint has been made, or once a consultation has come to the attention of NHS England or even the regulator, then the records are scrutinized really considering all of these points.
1: Yeah it, it, it's interesting um, and and we were talking just before we came on air about how this applies in other places besides the NHS but I, my understanding anyway that in many places the records are an absolutely crucial part of, of how you can understand or, or get into you know what, what the rights and wrongs of a complaint involve is that is that is that what you find
0: absolutely i mean the performance advisory group is is a feature of nhs england but there are similar processes found in other countries where bodies do have powers to investigate a practitioner and they can ask for a review of the records using whatever processes they have in place and they will assess those records usually by trained, experienced peers. So a GP would look at another GP's records, for example, and they will compare them against the standards that they feel those clinicians should be meeting.
1: Right, right. Just before we get into that audit side of things, I I don't know whether you can answer this, but do you think poor records mean poor doctor?
0: They don't necessarily. But that is what is quite commonly assumed. And so it it is generally the case that if the record is poor, then someone looking at that record will assume that the care provided to the patient is poor. Now, that obviously isn't always the case. It may be that you have done a full set of observations and they were all normal. So you as a clinician didn't think it was necessary to write it down. But I think the the old adage of if it's not written down, it wasn't done, or if it's not recorded, it didn't happen, is still very much believed, really, when someone is looking at your work and someone is auditing your records.
1: Talking about the audit then, is that a common thing that happens? Have you been involved with a number of these sorts of things with the performance advisory groups in the NHS, Heidi?
0: I do, I do see it, I do see it commonly, and um, records review is not an uncommon thing at all for a performance advisory group to suggest, and they ask for these audits to, as we heard in the recording, to see whether this was a one-off isolated incidence of poor record keeping, or whether there is a more pervasive pattern that perhaps the clinician needs to seek
1: to address. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so with the audit, what what will be looked at? Uh, they, they, I think she said 20 records. Is that what was was required?
0: That's quite often what's looked at. Sometimes it is more. I have seen more records being audited in some of these reviews, but 20 records is is common. And they will look at they look at a number of things. There are some templates that NHS England can use. But again, it does seem to vary from region to region as to exactly how the clinical advisor will look through and review the records. It is very time consuming, um, certainly from the advisor's point of view, and then very time consuming for the practitioner to then respond to the records review. So it's certainly best to avoid that situation in the first place wherever possible. But they will look to make sure that The consultation is understandable without relying on other entries. So is the documentation clear? Is there a clear working diagnosis given? Is it appropriate to the problem that the patient has presented with? So is there a detail of of the past medical history, the, the presenting complaint? Is there any context to this? So is there information that needs to be reiterated from previous consultations? Is the clinical decision-making clear? Is it understandable from the notes that have been written? Um, For example, if you saw a record that said sore toe, and then the doctor had prescribed a omeprazole or something else completely unrelated to dealing with a sore toe, you would think, well, I don't understand the rationale Mm -hmm. here. What else has happened in that Mm -hmm. consultation? So it should be clear, understandable
1: management. So they're not just looking for whether the records are adequate, but they're also looking to see whether they indicate appropriate care.
0: They do because the records are reviewed by GPs. They're reviewed by GP clinical advisors who are usually practicing GPs themselves that have an additional role for NHS England, they will look at the appropriateness of the care
1: provided. So if I can sort of pick out one thing that you said there, I mean, this record sound like they have to be very full. We'll come to that in a moment. But you're, you're basically were saying, is this good enough for another doctor who doesn't know that patient at all to be able to take over the care without having to refer to a whole lot of other stuff? Is that that's more or less one of the points you were saying? Is that right?
0: Yes, and I think that is a very important point. If your record is detailed enough, contains the relevant information to allow someone else to take over care. It is probably also sufficient from an NHS England disciplinary process perspective, from a regulatory perspective, essentially from a medico-legal perspective. It is likely that that record is satisfactory if another clinician could read that record and understand exactly what has gone on in that consultation.
1: Listening to this, I can imagine some GPs are saying, I just don't have the time to to write that thorough and full a record every time. Uh, I'm under great pressure, the waiting room's full, I've got to see my patients, and that's more important than recording all the time. How do we answer that?
0: It is a balance and it is something that the members I deal with raise on a frequent and regular basis. And I have every sympathy because I appreciate the time pressure that doctors, particularly GPs are under. I would say good records are time well spent. If you are able to write a record that contains all of your relevant findings, including those important negatives, documents the observations and the examination that you have done, even though it may take Thirty seconds, a minute longer than it might otherwise, it will save you time in the long run. Should your records ever be scrutinized?
1: Are there times when you think doctors should sort of um, be aware and take more care, specifically to write more detailed records? Would there, would there be sometimes when when really we should? Even in a busy day, say, okay, actually, I do need to spend a bit more and make sure that I've really got an adequate or a better than adequate record here, as it were.
0: Definitely. Where there is diagnostic uncertainty, it's very helpful to have a fuller record. And especially if this patient has presented repeatedly for what appears to be the same problem, Mm. you should really be thinking, well, first of all, is this diagnosis correct? I see that my Colleagues on two previous occasions have said they think this is the diagnosis, but actually, do I agree? Is there something else going on here? And it doesn't mean that your colleagues were wrong in this. They were working on the information presented to them at the time and the examination that they conducted at the time. Again, going back to our recording, our doctor thought, well, this is a viral infection. Everything points to a viral infection. I don't feel there's evidence here to warrant antibiotics. But by the time the patient was seen a few days later, the picture had changed. So if you're seeing these patients where not actually sure or they're attending repeatedly for the same set of symptoms, really consider what, what else could be going on here. So in those situations, it may well be useful to make a more detailed note and to demonstrate in your record that actually you have considered what your colleagues have, have said and what has already Happened in this patient's journey. There are a number of other occasions. Certainly, if you have any safeguarding concerns, then your notes should be very detailed. And if you've made a referral or discussed this patient with the safeguarding team, then that needs to be documented. If you have a patient who lacks capacity, then some reference to their capacity should be made and the basis on which you are making a, a decision. So has the patient, is the patient able to indicate what they would like to happen to them? Or are you making a decision purely in best interests? If the latter, how have you come to make that decision? What is your rationale for that? So those sorts of situations would be would be very helpful to to document more.
1: It's interesting as you're talking, I'm hearing you saying uh, a number of things which means that my my records should not simply be uh, what I've seen recording my examination or the story. It's, it's a lot more than that. It, is, it needs to be explaining a little bit as necessary, the rationale for what I'm doing. And also it seems recording something of what's been said with the patient or to the patient uh, is important in there as well.
0: It is. It is, especially if there is a disagreement between the doctor and the patient about what they think the diagnosis is, or if there is an unrealistic expectation by the patient. Mm-hmm. That is when that discussion really comes into its own. If you, as the clinician, using your, your knowledge and your clinical skills and your examination findings and your history taking, and you think, well, I am fairly sure this is the diagnosis, you give the diagnosis to the patient and the patient says, well, I still want antibiotics or I still want referral to secondary care because I'm worried about X, Y or Z. It's important to document that. And it's then important to document the discussion you have with the patient to say, what have you explained to the patient? What are their areas of concern? Have you managed to reassure them in any
1: way absolutely and and uh, that's something that we've discussed before as well uh, on podcasts is that the issue of unmet expectations can lead to dissatisfaction and that's immediately the the chance of a complaint is is more so in any of those situations um where you the doctor is aware of that that there's been some expectation that can't be met or uh, or an unrealistic uh, expectation then a bit more time on the record keeping is time very well spent
0: yeah
1: Heidi thank you very much for your time a very interesting discussion yet again around this uh, challenging uh, situation for our, our GP and it, pleased to hear that at the end of uh, of, of a re after three months uh, the GP had taken on board some things about record keeping and had um, Passed as it were, the second time round. Well, quite a lot to take away from that. Um, A review by the PAG, or whatever your similar situation might be, sounds quite daunting, certainly time-consuming. And even though it might be a peer who will be looking at the records, they have quite a wide remit. It leads us to think what is the purpose of a medical record, doesn't it? It's not just medico-legal, that's for sure. It's an aid memoire for us, but also so that care can be taken over by somebody else. And of course, that's extremely common. And then things about when more detail might be needed, when there's diagnostic uncertainty, um, when there are repeated attendances for the same thing, safeguarding concerns, a lack of capacity in the patient. And particularly when there's a uh, problem with the patient expectations not being able to be met or an unhappy patient. Mm, A lot to think about. If you're a member of Medical Protection Society and want to know more about medical records, we'd strongly encourage you to make the most of your membership by going to our PRISM website. Um, Whether you're in primary or secondary care, you can use one of our online training modules about medical records, and there are several. There are also several recorded webinars about records you can watch. Uh, links for these can be found in the episode description. And With that, the end of our today's podcast on medical records and the PAG. If you're new to podcasts, maybe listening for the first time, please make sure to subscribe to the channel to make listening easier in the future. Uh, you can access this podcast from all of the major apps, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify and so forth. And for more information on medical protection, or if you're already a member and would like a certificate, Please look for details in the episode description. I've been your host, John Marwick. Until next time, bye for now.